briefly introduce yourself, what you drive and where you drive it. Uh, my name's Mike. I, uh, I'm the Wise Dub USA distributor, formerly with Field Suspension. I have a couple of 2003 IS300s. One just a uh, sport cross that I get around in, and then the sedan is a GTE Wise Fabbed Out. Um, I just drive it for fun for now, not competing anywhere. Um, I was building it for a class that got phased out before before I ever got to compete in it. So now it's just a fun car until I decide that we're going to go do something with it. What, what class were you building it for? Uh, Top Drift Street League. Oh. oh that, they've been gone for a while, though. When's the last season they had? Like 2020? The car's been being built since like 2017, bro. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> it just okay. takes a long time to do when you're uh... when you got bills and stuff. Yep, I heard that. I get yeah, it. I mean, got to be an adult. Yeah, I love, I love being an adult. Sometimes, um, how did you even get into drifting in general? Because I know, well, actually, let's start with your car because you've had quite a car collection, if I'm not mistaken. Um, since I've had a few. Let's let's talk about the cars you've owned and how you ended up in the IS chassis. Yeah, so I've had, I think, seven S13s. I briefly had an S14. Mm-hmm. Um, had a very short stint in an FCE Turbo 2. It was my buddy's car. I was thinking about picking it up from him. He left it at my place, and I got to drive it for a few weeks, maybe a month, month and a half, and... Uh, Lost a coolant seal, so we'll say that one was half mine. <laughs> I ended up picking it up. Um, I had a 93 FDR 7 that was LS1. I have had an Evo 8. I've had an Evo 9. Um, those are really the only cool cars. My last uh, my last S13 coupe, the uh, the blacktop SR car, that thing was pretty sick. I just uh, was in a place that I had to let it go, and... The dude that picked it up, his name's Cameron. He actually, uh, he came out to California to drive that event that I drove in November with it. Nice. And it's like, it's like sicker than I had it, you know? So that's cool. Was it a drift that car when you had it? Because I'll never buy it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like demaxed out and like caged and shit. Oh, so okay. it was, it was a drift car. It's, it's like the, it's like the last Starfighter for me for an S chassis. Cause like, I won't pay what they cost now. Yeah, Before they're a little like outrageous, man. SR. It, it's crazy. It was a, it was it was blacktop SR. It had full metal Sylvia front end. Um, mm-hmm. It was on coilovers. It had like Nismo wheels and stuff. And I picked that car up for fifty five hundred. And um, I remember at the time seeing like clapped out like SR hatches for like thirty five hundred. And uh, thinking, you know what, this is just a little bit nicer. But fuck that same car now would probably be like twelve thousand. Fifteen thousand dollars with like what they're charging now, and haven't SRs always been roughly around thirty five hundred bucks? Like if you were gonna buy it from, nah, I feel like I feel like they've always been closer to like five, dude. Really? Like so five fifty five. So basically, you were getting the car for less than the motor's worth itself at the time when you were purchasing them. Yeah, like once you once you factored like the labor of of swapping it and shit. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you know what for. The one that I forgot about, I did have a brief stint with a uh, a one JZ three fifty Z, 
I got it in a trade for that S13 and I ended up letting it go. Um, mainly because it was a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> There's so much wrong with it. The whole like roof was dented in, like oh shit, it really? didn't end up being the uh the the type of car that I thought it was gonna be, and it was just outside of my depth to get it going. So I let it go to uh another local drift dude who I think flipped it too, and it's I think in Vegas now. It's all over. Oh wow. It's all over the place, man. Cars getting around. Uh and then you worked at uh, Phil for quite a bit, right? Or not too long? Yeah, How 2016 long? through 2022, so six years. Like, almost oh, wow. exactly, like, a couple days. Oh, wow. Uh, did you start there as, like, what you were doing, or did you, like, work your way up? Because I know you were, like, kind of managing uh, the shop, so to speak, right? Yeah, so I just started there as a sales position. I was working at an off-road shock company uh walker evans racing mm-hmm. walker evans is a bad mother the trophy truck driver um that was just very winning back in the 80s and 90s and he ended up making his own like trophy truck suspension and eventually they got a um a contract with polaris so a lot of what i did all day was make um polaris snowmobile and then like utv like the xp 1000 shocks mm. so I've personally touched like tens of thousands of <laughs> UTV and snowmobile shocks. Like it's crazy. If you have one, go out and see if the, the like black and silver Walker Evans stickers on it. That's like generation of which I was touching them, but yeah, a bunch dude. Like it, it was, it was crazy. Like how many of those things went out? I didn't think they were selling these kind of, of volume, especially cause they had Fox making shocks for them too on some of the models. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we weren't even on the whole, range of the models and we were doing like thousands and thousands a week it's fucking crazy oh wow uh well yeah there's but uh, i was over there they are dude and like i was over there um i had been wanting to transition into something on the automotive side because i'd already been involved with the like the drifting industry uh or the drifting community not the industry yet within Mm. socal since like 2018 a position to open up for feel. Um, I had known Odie from basically, I think the, the first day that he went drifting, he came in for his first drift night. I teched his car, uh, his little black S13 hatch. And that's the same S13 that he still has. But uh, yeah, he ended up hiring. I just went in and interviewed and, I think he liked what I had to say and that he liked that I was willing to come in for a pretty reasonable price. And it just started from there, dude, and just was kicking ass and taking names as much as I could and just kind of moved up and it it just worked out. Nice. And then you ended up working for WiseFab directly, right? I know you're not wearing your cool WiseFab shirt today. Oh, yeah, I got my Kangushi's car, but... It's an IS, so it works. Sick. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I can't see the WiseFab part from my from my view. I say it now. Ooh, a little higher. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Look at the pad on, too. Look at you. Fancy. Yeah, so when I started at Feel in 2016, it was like September 2016. I was just going to be their sales guy. Um, and I think in November is when they started distributing WiseFab for the U.S., 
so basically uh the whole time that i was at feel minus like two months i was also the one with the hands-on uh handling wisefab usa you know so anybody that ordered from Ajuku or anything like it, it passed through me to get to them and um I think just having that familiar experience and whatnot, once I decided it was time to step away from feel, Wisefab was was very kind to make me an offer um, to keep me on board, which I, I honestly didn't expect. I I had told them once they, they had heard that I was leaving that, like, hey, like, I'm doing everything I can to train the new guy. Like, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, it was cool that, that they appreciated what I had done for them and, and they they made an offer to keep me working for them. And like, it's been a blessing, dude. It's yeah. been absolutely rad. That's sweet, dude. Uh, and then you, you basically been running, not WiseFab. You haven't been running WiseFab, but you've been running like the sales for WiseFab in the U S now. Cause aren't you guys like the sole distributor? You're the distributor now, if I'm not mistaken, as a direct hire. To yeah, WiseFab. I mean, it, exactly. It's like first party now instead Correct. of like that having a sense. distributor. Yeah, I mean, anything that has anything to do with WiseFab in the U.S., I handle it. So if you call the phone number that's on the website, you get me. It's this phone that's on the table right here. Yeah. Um, I handle all the emails. I handle, like, the logistics of, like, receiving orders and either shipping or, um, you know, dictating that it needs to be shipped from our stock in Europe and, like, all the warehousing and whatnot. Yeah, my parts came from Europe. It made me feel good. <laughs> Special. Special yeah. order, like fresh off yeah. the uh, these European domestic market as fuck. My wife's fat parts. Um So and then let's get into your current drifting career, which is a uh, spotter for Josh Mason. How how did that come to be? Was was well. was was spotter for Josh Mason. Um Josh and I have, have been in contact for quite a few years. Uh -huh. Um, ever since he was competing in the Mustang back in the day. Okay. So he had field coilovers. Correct. Yep. If you had field coilovers from 2016 to 22, you probably dealt with me. And so I just helped him out with those. Um, we kept in contact when he switched over to the S14 chassis. We built him some stuff. We built him some WiseFab for that. He went out and he earned another license with that car. And um, eventually he let that go to Don. So that's the car that Don Bowling is um, competing in now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've just known him for a while and seemed like a solid dude. And um, it was a cool opportunity for me to get into like the backside of, of working with the team and whatnot. Cause I've been working with Odie for a long time, but I had nothing to do with his FD program. Mm, okay. So it, it's always something I wanted to be involved in. Um, you know, the, the backside or the front side, you know, be, either being a driver or being someone that's supporting a driver. So it's just a cool way to get more involved with the community and like be out there doing it, doing yeah. something. And, um, I think because of that, I'm actually going to be judging, uh, Flavor Express's new Pro-Am series, and Slam. Oh, okay, so sweet. It's, it's going to be me, Josh, and uh, Tony Cisneros. And the, the first round is actually next Saturday. I don't know when this is going to air, so <laughs> might have already happened. It's going to be the week 
after. Yeah, I think it airs on the 2nd, February 2nd. Perfect. Yeah, so January 27th is the first round, and it's a five-rounder. Now I'm excited for it. It's like a, you know, I, I feel like Hot Pit's like somewhere between like Pro-Am and like Pro-Spec, mm-hmm. and um, this is, is much closer to what I would say like traditionally Pro-Am. What it was, because they, they're a little bit more laxed on the safety rules than you know pro-am is like they're not requiring yeah i guess absurd amount of shit i guess when i say that i mean like old top drift you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you could you could get away like top drift 2016 I, I get what you're saying yeah 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 well, but was... i mean I, dude i've been around it since like 2009 man like 2008 so even oh, wow. 2016 is like a departure of of you know what it was when i came into it people running 260 horsepower srs you know getting out there and earning licenses like that yeah that makes sense because i think when i got into it like pro-am was minimum 400 horsepower and now you know guys are showing up with a thousand horsepower so it's yeah. it's definitely yeah. moved its way up but it's also gotten cheaper to get to a thousand horsepower um so i can see why but i feel like the maintaining a thousand horsepower is still a million dollars no matter how you cut it um, yeah, there's the conversation of overbuilding, right? But like, yeah, ethanol is great. Ethanol is just like a bunch of extra horsepower for no more dollar, maybe even less dollar. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, exactly. There's ethanol is my. There's homie. a lot of ways to do it. Yeah, same, same. I'm, I'm dirty. I run pump ethanol. I don't even get like the nice pale stuff. Just yeah. Go to the gas station and straighten the car. Uh it's if you got. You know, the money to be buying barrels, go nuts, and place to store it. Uh, by yeah. all means, do it. But uh, my flex fuel sensor was $60. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it'll it'll catch it if it's fucked up. That's the only reason I actually run one. Just in case it's not, you know, true E85, at least the ECU knows to make the change that it needs to make. Um, now... With your um, current chassis, do you plan on ever competing in it in a uh, more laxed series? I know you, you're kind of not – I don't think your car qualifies for the – the uh, crap. <sighs> you just said it. I can't think of Rob's. Amplam? Nope. Yeah, what's Rob's his – yeah, but what's the his – thing called flavor express sorry uh yeah i don't know if yours qualifies for a flavor express am slam too many horsepowers yeah i you know what dude i don't know i I don't know about that um i would have to go look but i would definitely have to downsize on tire and like that's going to become challenging yeah but uh honestly the car on 265s is so gripped up anyways that I think if I were to uh, like step it down, it might even just become a little easier to drive. <laughs> oh, really? I have a few levels of boost that I can drive on, like cut it, cut it back to like 14, 17 pounds, and, and it gets a little... A little more timid? Excuse me, a little less gnarly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right now, it's 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 got power, but it also, it, it's so like gripped up all the time that it just requires commitment. And even on like 265 like anywhere between like 240 and 300 tread where like double r's to like the new vitors 
um, on like 30 ish pounds. Like it's still fucking gripped up and, and wound up. And mm-hmm. thankfully I have two ways. So in the rear, I can kind of dictate like how much grip I, I want to have depending on track. And my first track experience was at Willow Springs. Um, probably a year and a half ago ish. And that, that was my first ever track day in a car. That was my car. I had done like a couple drifting laps in someone else's car, but mm. really haven't had the like seat time that I should have had having been involved with this community for so long. Just never had the funds to do it. But um, same. Got to like drive with Rome and stuff, and like that was cool. It, it felt like such a big learning experience just following somebody that could show me so much, you know. Um, so that was all cool, and I didn't know any better to know that the car was just like gripped to shit because it would snap straight like coming uh, on balcony coming around the greenhouse mm-hmm. it, it would just violently gang straight and um it was just like okay <laughs> that's what this does right so i took that same setup over to abs and the car makes 550 and i was in the first corner like clutch kicking to like get around in the uh in in the the first setting that I, that i had tried and i just like kept going firmer and firmer on the rear shocks until uh the car was somewhat manageable and like i can actually start to to link sections and i've only had three days in the car mm-hmm. so not a whole lot i'm hoping to at least double that this year with some events um but it's a ton of fun and i feel like i'm getting the hang of it it just it's just a car that requires commitment like throttle is uh throttle's a must the the turbo's big enough to where it doesn't you know spool to like mid threes like like almost four is mm-hmm. like kind of full kill which is still like not not a, a crazy like power range to get into you get there pretty easy but mm-hmm. it's definitely not like a stock 1j where you can get on power and you're in boost right away so it does require a little bit of like, like foresight and uh commitment to get into it yeah finesse so I'm, I'm getting the hang of that like eddie uh zapata the mustang dude was out at this last uh last drift event he's just like what do you do it give a throttle and it was just like all right cool and <laughs> just that you know it was obvious but just like getting that little push and everything started to click and started to work and started getting some like good clips of uh of the car just fucking burning them and it was exciting it was exciting i love this sport so much getting your first little videos like send it to me when huh, yeah it, it it could be a dog shit video too i think anybody anybody who's ever gone drifting or did anything in a car and someone got a video of you for your first time it's so exciting even if you're doing dog shit yeah. it doesn't matter it's a relatable experience uh, did have you found it easier that the car is a little bit more manageable like with more obviously i, I know this goes without saying but the most cars are a lot easier to drive the more you commit and a lot of people don't understand the commitment that it takes uh to drive a car and most of the time it's just throttle input and like holding your line and holding your throttle because i think at least for me oftentimes i would let off throttle because i thought i was going to hit something and then i which i wouldn't have if i would have stayed in throttle but as soon as i let off i go right into a wall or a bear a fucking k roll of some sort um yeah just crater or something it's weird it's weird to deal with um 
but that that car drives so killer. Um, I don't know a whole lot of difference because like I've I've the only other like solid drift car that I've ever driven was a uh, Odie's S13 mm-hmm. uh, on a skid pad, and that thing's LS, so like it doesn't matter <laughs> what gear you're in or like Power's what speed there. you're going. Just like, powers there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just super easy to drive, and I'm like, man, I want to replicate this. Obviously, it's a different chassis. It's not going to be the same, but, like, I want to just be able to get in it and huck it and have everything feel good. And honestly, dude, the IS feels so good. It feels yeah. so solid. I, I, It's, like, such a slept-on chassis because the, the rear end has so much grip. Like, as long as you don't lower it too much, because what, what happens is, like, without fixing the toe curve, it's, like, if you're high it toes in if you're low and you squat it starts to toe out okay so i i run high i run like functional like height so i just get a bunch of grip in and the car fucking squats and goes and and it it's super solid in the back end and the white stab feels so good on the front um just just very easy easy to input and go at first we were a little too soft on the front spring rates so what's ha- what would happen is like anytime i went to transition it would dive and you can see it in like clips of that first drift day, like trying to come around the cone and like transition. It's like <laughs> before it gets back, uh, gets back composed. And what I had to do to stop it from rotating so quickly was like a little bit of handbrake, like modulation, like just to slow the rotation and set the car and go. Yeah, during and, um, during transitions. Yeah, so we just went up like four kilograms of spring rate in the front, and now it just feels so planted. The front end feels great. The the back of the car feels great. Everything rotates nicely. It's a it's a little longer wheelbase than an S chassis. It's like a 106, but it's not it's not super lazy. It's not even like was E92 is like 108. What is what is your four door? Do you know your your wheelbase? It's probably even more than that. 109. 109. Really? Okay. I figured the coupes and the the sedans would have a little more gap than that. Uh. I don't think they have any gap. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, so we're, we're not, we're not too far off, but it, it, it comes around nicely without being like snappy violent, which mm-hmm. may bite me. <laughs> I know some people like it to be like snappy and violent. So our 108.7. We stop here doing what we can. The, the E90 is 108.7. But now that you mention it, yeah. I am curious, is the E92 the same? Uh, but I think at that, would it be that much of a difference, even if it's off, like, by, you know, thousands of an inch? Even if it's, like, 108 flat versus 108.7, like, what's three quarters of an inch? I don't think it's that much. Yeah, that's I'm like, uh, is it going to be that much of a problem? It says, no, 108.7. Nope. I don't know why it's giving me E90 again. Uh, huh, I don't know. I was always curious about that, like the differences between like the sedans and the um, coupes. If there's like such like a nominal difference between like does the coupe handle better than the sedan and vice versa or vice versa? Because I know people just like coupes, so they build them. Uh, I just prefer sedan. So if I need to go open the back door to get you know do any work, I can. Yeah, you can just do that. Yeah, ex- back and exactly. Like, jungle gym mission. Yeah, once you yeah. get a cage in a car, like I'm not a skinny you're, guy. You're, you're cooping real pain. 
Yeah, exactly. I know. I had that E46, and anytime I had to do something back there, it was like my kid had to learn how to use a drill at like age, what was he, like five <laughs> when I had it? Yeah. I didn't have a choice. You would climb back here, bud. Yeah, exactly. He's the only one that fit. Uh, it's... I am curious, though. Um, I do, but I did have that uh, RJ's E46 that he rents out for a little bit. And I, I was like, damn, I do kind of I do kind of like these cars. Um, too bad they're just too popular now. I don't like um, having things that everybody else has. It bugs me. I mean, That's you don't. Such a, it's, it's a weird way of thinking, right? Because, like, why reinvent the wheel like you can reinvent the wheel or you can get seat time and I, thankfully yeah. the the thing that not everybody else has is a fucking an e94 door like and, you know and, at least you can get parts but exactly you know with the cadillac if you would have just stayed in e46 you probably would have kept driving a lot more than oh absolutely you know what you had to do to pick up absolutely uh it would have been less money too uh i should have done that but that's neither here nor there i did what i did <laughs> And I'm paying for it every day. You got uh, you got a lot of value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I what I do want to ask you is probably a little bit more suspension stuff questions because you seem to be more knowledgeable than me, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about half the time on the show. Uh, what I will ask you is if you can break down kind of like the two way suspension um, for the rear because I know that's a lot of more common than what the majority of people are running as opposed to the single adjustable. Cause when it gets into like their three way adjustability, I feel like there's not as many people running that or well, maybe there are, but maybe they're not, they don't have the understanding of what the three things actually do. Three ways th are tricky, dude. Three ways. That's what I meant. Like you have to know your <laughs> shit to have them. You shouldn't just buy yeah, them because you couldn't afford them. You can, you make them worse real quickly. You know what I mean? Like you just click the wrong settings and like your car starts to suck. And I actually feel would talk people out of buying three ways. If oh, I really? feel like they were going to be understanding of that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Cause like we use the Penske three way and it's, you know, there's really no one, no one on the market that is, replicating that or or doing it as well so we just didn't try to reinvent the wheel we just got penske uh like double adjusters so like high speed low speed compression adjustment mm -hmm. um units and just made it work with the feels but with the feel uh two ways we actually came up with our own units and uh those actually have a broader range of overall adjustment than the penske's um, except it's just, it's, it's broad range. So to adjust both low speed and high speed compression at once versus individually. Um, but I think that's a blessing for people that don't understand like the in-depths of, of shock adjustment and like crosstalk because with a, with a, a traditional three-way, um, crosstalk affects the high speed and the low speed. There's not really any way to stop it and only do one at a time. Right. So if you're like, man, the car feels great. It just gets a little unsettled over rumble strips. I need to soften up my high-speed compression because 
those jarring hits are are unsettling the card. But otherwise, it's perfect. So you're like, here's this very specific scenario that you're trying to dial out. And you soften up your high-speed compression to do that. Well, you've also softened up your low-speed compression. And now you have to play this game back and forth of dialing in the low speed versus the high speed to, to like get the car to do what you want in every situation. Whereas if it's just a two-way, you have one knob and you're just like firmer, softer, like that's it. And, and understanding what situation you would go firmer and what situation you'd go softer. But other than that, it's, it's, it's so much less of a headache and, I'd say like the top, let's say top 5%, it's probably not even that, but let's say the top 5% are people that that could and should use or at least consider using three ways. And like the rest of us, like you just don't need them, dude. You just don't need them. Even like, even two ways on the front of a drift car, they're cool, but you can get all the way up to pro with the one way in the front, the two way in the rear. And uh, we like even at, at fuel, we've actually done that for quite a few drivers that were driving prospect that have a one way in the front and two way in the rear. There are a bunch of drivers that have two ways all around, but I think little known industry tip is like most people don't adjust them like they should. <laughs> they just they put them on and they're like, sweet, cool. And like unless you're taking the time to use the adjustment, it's not better than a one way. You can make a one way do everything a two way does if you don't click the knobs. So I think it's it's more just like knowing and understanding how to use the tools mm-hmm. and uh, just trying to educate people, trying to educate people on, on how to use it for what, you know, and, and what they do need and what they don't need. Like that was always kind of a, kind of a hurdle. I feel. Can you, can you dumb down the high speed and low speed that you referred to earlier? Okay, so when you say high speed and low speed, you're thinking shock speed. So like the amounts of time it takes to compress the shock. High, an instance of high speed would be like you hit a square edge bump or you hit rumble strip where it compresses very quickly. And low speed would be like, let's say the very lowest speed is like cornering. So yeah, the, the car naturally compresses a little bit when you put weight on that corner. Like that's low speed adjustment versus high speed. It has nothing to do with vehicle speed, it has everything to do with shock travel speed. So like mm. inches per second. I, I thought so. So something more of like a high speed would be like an abrupt change in suspension compression, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So like you hit a pothole or you like fell off a rumble strip or, you know, whatever, whatever sort of square edge bump mm-hmm. that you run into versus that's more smooth, like, like, you know, like vehicle weight transition or anything like the, 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 sh- the shock speed is like relatively low for stuff like that. That makes more sense now. Okay. So I never thought about it like that. That's why I'm asking. And I, I wasn't sure if, uh, anybody else has. So don't I ask these questions? Yeah. I'm also dumb. Uh, seminar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's the reason this podcast exists for, was for me to learn a whole bunch of shit and then share that. Now I just learned something. Uh, cool. <laughs> so it does it is that why Phil started making that the the what was it the four four one point five yeah dude we we were doing that for people for years i used to call it the pro-am special <laughs> nice like somebody call an order the pro-am special and it was like 
you can get so much value out of just like just a one-way shock and in the front and a two-way shock in the rear because under a lot of situations you're not really touching like front compression mm-hmm. um you're mostly going to find where you like it and you're going to leave it alone and you know maybe you'll touch rebound a little bit but you still have rebound adjustments so it, it's more important how you control the rear of the car with with the suspension because let's say you soften up your compression like bam you just added grip sick <laughs> you know or like say you're too you're too gripped up like in my case at abs i'm too gripped up uh what can i do well i can change an alignment or i can change tire presser or hey look i have a knob that takes grip out of the fucking back of the car and it's I a click lot it less two, work times and I go do some yeah a lot less work and i click it two three times i go do some laughs i feel it is it working? Is it getting better? Yeah, it's getting better. Fuck it. Let's try it a couple more knobs. And uh, just like, just, it's essential for the back of a car, for dialing it in, for like changing track conditions and going to different tracks that maybe you're not familiar with without having to really put hands on it to do different alignments or, you know, whatever your, your methods are for dialing grip in and out. Mm, okay. How, so, how would a two-way work for adjustment? So I know like when it explain the two-way. So if it's, what is it? You said it was high and low speed rebound, right? Compression. Or compression. No, when, compression. So, wait. So, so, so that's, that's a three-way. A okay. three-way would have high speed compression and then rebound adjustment. A two-way is just going to have compression adjustment, which is going to affect all shock speeds. Of compression adjustment it's not segmented like a three-way and then rebound adjustment so compression is this rebound is this okay now and I all one-way shocks that you have uh, on the market control rebound and usually a slight bit of crosstalk for compression so it's not there to control compression but because it is adjusting the flow of, of fluid um it will slightly affect compression, but it's really only there to adjust like rebound speed. Um, so that's what a one-way shock will do. Got and it. When, when, when you upgrade to a two-way shock, now you add that compression adjustability. So like, I would say a, a common way to set up the back of a drift car when you want like as much grip as you can is to soften the compression so it squats easier it stays in that squatted gripped up compression uh, position and then firm the rebound so it fights it on wanting to come up and the car will stay squatted stay planted instead of you know like a like a like a pogo stick effect um that you might get if you if you you know soften the compression but you don't add any sort of rebound so that's like a that's just kind of like a, a blanket generality of like, you know, if you're in the dry and you want to grip it out, maybe soften the compression a little bit, crank the rebound, the back of the car will squat and stay squatted for the most part. And you can get the most out of, of the grip of the back of the car. Gotcha. So you can kind of like slow down the motion of the rear end of the car and you can speed Absolutely. it up. Yep. That makes a little yeah, bit more yeah, sense. So it, okay. That's all adjustment is, is, is the speed of which that stuff happens, slowed down or sped up. Now, am I going to remember this when it comes to me setting up a car? Uh, I sure should hope so, but we'll find out. Uh, 
You got my phone number. I know. I know. I know. I don't like bothering people. I try I like to. Under the track. Uh, so do I. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I want to. This year, I'm trying to go more. I mean, I actually did a lot better last year. I think I did a matter of like six days of driving in like two months where I would, huh? Small events. A couple of, a couple of, um, flavor express events. I think it was like two or three. And then just some other random events that just happened to be going on at, uh, ABS just cause it's easier to get into AVS. It's a lot less of a headache. Uh, just cause someone's always throwing an event there and it's always like $65 max. Go there. Oh, in, in the, in the V6, right? Yeah. Cause you were, you were at Willow the same day that I was at Willow. Um, I was at balcony and you were at horse thief, but I just never yes. made my way over to horse thief. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that thing, that thing had stock suspension with, uh, basically like a, it's called ground control unit. It just converted your stock suspension into an adjustable height coilover. Yeah. yeah. And it was like some, I, I don't, don't ask me what, what the ratio of springs were, but I know they were eye box springs and I made it work. Dude, any, any sort of like additional control over stock is cool. Whether that was a smart financial decision in the long run, but if you had fun, I paid a hundred dollars for that kit. It was worth it. They they don't they're not usually that cheap. <laughs> so no, they're like totally they're like six fifty, I think, brand new. And I think if you're gonna be someone, if you're driving uh, a street car and you want the comfortability, but you want to be able to control. Um, your ride height and still have that stock feel to it. I think ground control is a fucking phenomenal uh, product to use. If you want performance, buy the fucking coilovers. <laughs> like if you want them to so, perform well and do what you want them to, buy buy adjustable coilovers. Good ones. But that that kind of fuels the conversation that like all coilovers are uncomfortable. Like. No, coilovers only suck to drive on the street if they're sucky. Coilovers. Dog shit. Like you can... If they're dog shit, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah you go buy some Godspeed coilovers. Godspeed to you, dude. When when I put coilovers on the the IS when I first got it back in 2017, it had like some Tane Flex Z or I don't know, to some some lower end Tanes, and like it was just way soft, mm-hmm. like to the point where it was like, what was the point of putting the coilover? Like it's like. 10-15% firmer than stock like it's kind of silly soft um, but I, I put the 441s on and I even went firmer in spring rate than um, like the standard spring rates at the time and I had people that didn't know I was on coilovers the car was still super comfortable Yeah. before I like put all the race like settings into it but I, I'm here to break the myth that like coilovers don't suck unless you buy bad ones that's fair. That's fair. I'm actually look. I just bought a Colorado, um, and I was looking into because I like 
lifted trucks. Not very big. Uh, but I was looking into some like coilovers for them, and they so Eibach makes some fancy little coilovers for it that I was thinking about getting, and those look expensive. But I was also looking at like some other ones. There's some other shit that's no. Well, it's like fifteen. It's like fourteen hundred bucks for the things I want. But I think in total, after tires, wheels, um, and all the uh, supporting mods for a lift kit, like upper control arms, um, stabilizer bar connectors, or whatever they're called, I can't think of at the moment. Um, all of that adds up to like 3500 bucks. And I'm like, I should be spending this on my car right now, not on my fucking truck that I'm going to ruin my gas mileage on as soon as I lift it. Dude, you can spend 3500 bucks on just like the shocks. <laughs> I got them. Easily, you know what I mean? Like, but they're already, I already got those. <laughs> I already yeah. got those. Well, well that's, that's yeah. trucks are trucks are expensive. Trucks, I, I don't want to get into it. I'm jealous that you got a Colorado because I've, for the last few years, wanted the uh, the diesel Colorado. It's the one I got. Dude, it tows like seven thousand pounds and it's, it's like compact enough. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you drive it. Team, like, I'm gonna let you drive it, and you're gonna be sold. I, I think I'm I'm on team like go buy like a diesel van. Like I think I would rather get a van, uh, just for the safety of like keeping all my shit inside there and like I could sleep in there if I needed to and like whatever and an open car trailer instead of like like you you don't have a closed car trailer you're still like open car trailer in a truck but like mm-hmm. you know if you were to go somewhere and have to park it at night that gets sketchy stuff gets stolen pretty easily like at least with like like a like a diesel van I can put everything in the van the van locks um you know, that's not foolproof either, but they can't just walk up to the back of my truck and steal Open tools the or, or steal whatever out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's like European style. Like there, there's a lot of a lot of drivers in Europe that just have like a, a sprinter van. Yeah, and like an open, car open car trailer with a tire rack. Yeah, I've seen that. those two. And I got a buddy that builds trailers, so like I just need to get the van and then <laughs> he'll build me a sick trailer and like we're good to go. Yeah, uh I I was not sold on it immediately when I first went to go. I mean, I liked the way the truck looked. I wanted a white, I wanted a white truck. That was a hundred percent going to happen. It had to be obviously the crew cabin. It had to be the long bed version, but the diesel just didn't sell me when I drove it. I was like, fuck, this feels like a fucking pig. Just when you're driving it around 2.8, such a tiny little boy. It is. It's a 2.7. Go read your map. I I know what it is. I've been on the forums for like since the day I got it looking into shit I don't need. Uh, and uh, I ended up towing with it like within four days because I had to go take – I had to go rent a U-Haul because you know my trailer got stolen, right? Yeah, unfortunately it was a piece of shit. Long story short, that truck and trailer got stolen. Recover the, the truck. Um, anyways – uh, I had to go rent a trailer from U-Haul, and then I had to take the E46 back to RJ's in Hesperia, coming from LA. And I got, I went there. I went and I dropped his car off at his house. I went to Big Duck Club to go get my car, and then I went to go pick up some of my tires that I had for at somebody else's house. 
I averaged 20 miles of the gallon from my house, uh, towing and back. So that includes going up, going up the hill and then coasting down most of the way. Um, and in my truck or my Silverado, rather, I would have gotten seven miles to the gallon. So it was, it was worth the investment. Yeah. Yeah. Those gas powered trucks, when you tow like mileage is shitty, at least with the diesel, like it's going to be what it's going to be, whether you have a car on the back or not, you can just expect it. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. And like the, I think it's only like a thousand pound difference between the towing capacities between the Silverado and the uh, Colorado. So I have a Colorado. So much easier to get around. It's like so much smaller. It is and it isn't. I think it's super comparable to the Silverado. I think the newer trucks, the newer full size trucks are a lot larger than uh, my O2 Silverado. But this thing is relatively the same size. Although inside it doesn't feel that way. Inside it feels a little bit smaller. Like if I want to backhand my kid who's in the passenger seat for misbehaving, (laughs) Uh, it's a lot more manageable. Uh, The Silverado would have had a reach and like maybe drove off the road a little bit. Uh, No, but... It's it's like when um, well like like general generational differences of sizes are like everybody talks about uh, like the R thirty three being a boat being so large mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a big boat of a car and you park it like next to a modern like Kia car and it looks like a fucking Miata dude like oh does it really so small, like, it's dude they're not big oh they're like next to the Stinger yeah I could see I could see that because the Stinger is a pretty large yeah, car. And if you put an R33 next to it, which is like roughly the same size of what, like an S14, give yeah, or take just, a couple. Like like, like larger, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah, that makes sense. It's like it's like comically small, but it's like the perspective of like what stuff looked like back then and what they look like now. Like trucks are so comically large now, mm-hmm. and like the hood is six feet off the ground. <laughs> like from yeah, that's crazy. That's not even lifted. Exactly. It's, it's gnarly. You got to get a ladder just to like refill your fluids or to check them, especially for me because I'm short. (laughs) Going like that. Uh, What are your uh, plans for this year as far as like driving goes? Do you have any like planned events to drive at? I know you're judging, but. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're planning an event for quarter one. Um, Haven't like super finalized it but it's gonna happen we have a date we have a track um but it's gonna be like just a like a like a fully wise fab like backed event so that'll be sick and and we're thinking of ways to make that cool um you said first quarter I, yeah yeah so uh being now first that yeah, my next question was, what's your fiscal year? Because like you're saying, your is you're saying first quarter of the year or first quarter of Wisefab's year? First quarter of the year. So. Okay, so bef- by March, at some point. Yeah. Okay. By by, by the end of March. Make it towards so the end of March, so I can. Uh huh. Um, I 
don't know what else past that, but I'd like to do a couple more. I'm going to be at a ton of events. I just won't be driving most of these events. Hopefully some something cool comes up. Um, but even if I just go out to, like, ABS on some practice days, like, that'll still be a ton of fun. Hmm. And then you said you're not going to be spotting this year for Josh? No, Josh is, uh, Josh is stepping back from Hot Pit for the year. Oh, okay. So... I'm still going to be out there um, every round. I just won't be spotting. Just be hanging out, and uh, we should be handing out our our um, YSAP prizes every round. Nice. So, got to be there, have fun, support. So, it's going to be a busy year. It's going to be like eight rounds of FD, um, the five rounds of Hot Pit, um, all the rounds of Amslam. Hoping to hit up a couple other fun events. Uh, not necessarily driving, but just going out there and like doing it and, and having fun. So it's going to be busy. I'm trying to also see if I can squeeze driving my car in somewhere on a couple of those. Um, but I mean, realistically, we're looking at like getting close to 20 events for this year. To 20 events for this year. Yeah, I know. I haven't even thought about. I know I'm going to the hot pit events just because of my quote unquote media pass. Um, oh. it's fancy. Yeah. I get to be like, I have a podcast and I have your guys on it sometimes. And they're like, you can come. I'll take it. Uh, I wish I would know that the first two, the first two rounds I went to, um, no, I don't know, man. I, I want to go to more events, but at the same time, like I have a car to finish. So, you know, sometimes taking a whole day or two days to go to an event, like I don't want to go to FD this year. At least not um, Long Beach, because it kills my back every fucking year. The no back support seats, no bueno. The older I get, the more it hurts. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Now and <laughs> definitely not as I was twenty. No, no. I remember the first. I think the first one I went to, I was like uh, twenty six, and it was a walk in the park. I was like, this is fun. I'll do this every year for the rest of my life. And then like the last three years, I was like, no, thank you. I'm good. I think I'm done. Unless I can afford their little um, like VIP spots. But I don't know if I want to spend that money either. That sounds kind of silly for something I can watch my home, watch on my couch and get drunk. It is pretty great for mom. I, I more want to go to the events that I haven't been to. Like I've been to Road Atlanta for Grid Life, but I haven't been for FD. So like I'd like to go to Road Atlanta for FD. Mm, um, that's fair. I'd, like, I'd love to go to Utah. I'd really like to go to Utah um, to check that track out. So like I, I want to. I've been to Irwindale a dozen times. I've been to Long Beach, you know, a dozen times over the years, and that kind of loses its its allure because it's so easily available but like going to these other tracks that's that's a cool opportunity to me and i at least want to go once and check them out you know whether i go every year is kind of up in the air but um it'll be tight to go do it go do the full season this year and, and check them out just be part of all of it and be, just go check stuff out that i've never seen before man like that's that's true that's like what really high are you able to go at for work though so it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I fucking envy you. Yeah, I envy you a little bit. Yes and no, right? Because like, 
you know, yeah, like I still got to work more freedom. Uh -huh. yeah, Absolutely. You have more freedom doing it on your own, but it's, it's cool, dude. And like, I, I don't think YSAP has any like grand expectations of me, like go out there, interact with the drivers, um, show face and like, yeah, you know, I guess we'll talk about more responsibilities later, but. I caught a pretty, I caught a pretty good gist of uh, going to like St. Louis this year and at some of the local events and it's the same shit I've been doing, bro. Just like interacting with drivers, interacting with customers, and just like showing face, uh, making yourself available to people, talking mm -hmm. to people, and you know, I'm not out there wrenching on a car. I'm not out there doing anything like too crazy. Yeah, and. In like your position at WiseFab, you're not necessarily having to um, do anything like make decisions for like uh, sponsorship and stuff like that. Just in case anybody's wondering who's listening to this show, um, I know that from at least from my understanding, you don't. That's not your job, right? Like your job is just like I just control everything that's going. Like everybody who's getting parts here, I make sure you it's get them. Not my job. Mm -hmm. It's not my job, but it helps if I like you. No, that's right. fair. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so they're asking my opinion. Um, that makes sense. Not, that that plays into the the final, you know, say decision. Yeah, I'm not super clear, but no. As of right now, I'm not the one making these decisions. I think there's been a hint that I'll be more hands on with like U.S. drivers mm -hmm. um, in the coming years. But as of now, no, I'm not. I'm not deciding who gets sponsored, and who doesn't, and like who's supported. The question uh, was just mostly. Be... Yeah, I didn't want people like to bombard you with a whole bunch of questions later, or thinking like, "Oh, that's the Wise Fab uh, fucking marketing director. Yeah. I need yeah. to. Talk, I need to talk to that guy because I need his parts." Yeah, you know, a lot of people try to hit you up for like free parts and stuff like that. I get it. I think. I think oh, that's. It's, it's been. Like it's been I, but here's here's the thing if you want sponsorship in 2024 by the time you're watching this it's too late bro you come out oh and absolutely because hit us up like Irwindale like like if you're serious about like partnership and like like working with your program like you need to hit us up like as soon as the season ends because most of the decisions are going to be made like by the new year so we're we're just on track to like be finishing by this like this point of recording and by the time you guys hear this like it's done it's it's all done for me yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no that makes sense um because from my understanding most of the most of like sponsorships and stuff like that that is happening throughout the year for the following year so you might start talking to somebody in march and not finalize a deal until november for the following year, if that makes sense. For depending on who it is, depends on who it is. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, there's special cases, and like mm -hmm. you know, if a really good opportunity arises, then we can make decisions whenever. Like it's not so black and white, but um, it, it helps to get your stuff in early, right? Mm -hmm. But understand that if you approach me in March, June, July, you're going to be waiting for a long time. You know, you're still going to be waiting until we come up with the decisions for like basically everybody um everybody at once for the, the next season um, and at that point I'd you might have forgot about the march guy no i, I keep pretty good track dude 
Oh. I, I have a whole of like keeping who who is interested, what they mm-hmm. compete in, what their car is, like Makes if sense. they have, you know, said like exactly what we'll get from them. If I can offer any advice for the people listening is like find a good proposal and copy that and like understand the formula and like understand what um, companies want to see from you because I get a lot of like hey I'm this person uh, I'm going into pro-am mm-hmm. with my RX-8 can you help me out like, buddy I would love to but the, the way that you approach me e- even even if it were a possibility like the, that that kind of approach just isn't really taken seriously you know what i mean and, and um it really helps to have a good deck and like i i will say this on a personal level like this is just like me having reviewed sponsorships for feel for years and like reviewed sponsorships for wisefab i like it when they say exactly what they want and exactly what they'll give in return mm-hmm. because you'll see a lot of these sponsor uh <coughs> it's where they're like for five thousand dollars for ten thousand dollars and it's like most of these companies aren't giving you money. Most of these companies are gonna are gonna work with you on product. Mm-hmm. And uh, so is that five thousand dollars worth of product? Is that five like because that's kind of different than like five thousand dollars worth of cash in your hand. Correct. So to give me like a like a like a vague, for ten thousand dollars you can get this. Well, I'm probably not even taking your your tears seriously. I'm gonna tell you what we're. You know maybe willing to do for you and what we expect in return and um i really really love it when someone's like yo i have an s14 i want two front kits i want two rear kits and i want uh, a set of axles with the spare you're gonna get on the driver's suit you're gonna get on the trailer you're gonna get it on the race car however many times you're gonna get youtube videos whatever mm-hmm. you know what i mean like be be very straight and also, I, I appreciate it when it's not like a like a casting a net approach, where you're just like, "Hi, for your consideration, like here," and and it's like, it doesn't even say anything about our company or or what what you know what you're interested in, what what you need, and that just that just shows me that like, you're not necessarily like looking for partnership with us, you're looking for partnership with whoever will partner with you. That makes and sense. That's different too. Yeah. So, like, if I can offer advice, like, tailor it every time to who you're talking with. Yeah. So, if you it's... want to hit a fuel suspension for coilovers, take your thing, tailor it to feel, and send it to them. Now, I'm not it's... telling you to like not send it to multiple companies that do the same thing. Like, if you also want to send it to JRZ, like a real <laughs> nice coilover brand. Take that same one tailored to JRZ. I'm not telling you to court one person. What I'm telling you is each time that you send a proposal, tailor it to who you're sending the proposal to because you're going to get taken way more seriously. And it's going to show that you're willing to put the effort in mm-hmm. that we're going to want to see in return rather than like, hey, guys, you know what I mean? Because it's there's got to be a return. And in, a, in an age where there's so many people doing this now, like, yeah. So many people have programs. You, you got to stand out, man, you, and you got to show. It, it just it just really helps to show that you're like about it and you're willing to put in the work because it needs to be a partnership. It's not just I give you free shit and that's it. You know what I mean? So the the people that are willing to put in the work up front, I on a personal level, 
believe are willing to come through in the long run. And that's where yeah. like, real solid foundations start. Multi-year like partnerships start to take off. I can see that. It's but I I see your point of like directing somebody. It's you know like that that question. Why do you want to work here? Like when you're doing a job interview. Okay, but let's just say you, you want to work in aerospace and you want to go to. There's Blue Origin. There's fucking. Uh, SpaceX and there's NASA. Well, we'll just assume NASA is the hierarchy, right? Because they're NASA. So you're like, I want to fucking work at NASA, but I'll take Blue Origin or uh, SpaceX. So the SpaceX and Blue Origin, when you, when they ask you that question, it's it's not the same answer. Where you're like, because you're fucking NASA. That's why I want to be here. Um, so I can see. But you uh, tell them that you you tell them that you say you're fucking Blue Origin and I want to be here. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. but it here. but it's not the same because you meant it at NASA, but Blue Origin, you're just telling what they want to hear. No, I I hear it makes sense. So it's and the uh, deliverables kind of make a lot more sense too because a lot of people just be like, oh, I'm gonna put your sticker on my car. Well, that's cool, but what what are you doing? Like, are you telling me like, hey, I'm gonna be at these fucking, I'm gonna be at you know 24 events this year, you know. This and, is yeah, what you're going to tell me what events you're going to be at. Yeah. How many events are you going to be at? Yeah. Like, I are think you competing. Are you an exhibition driver? Like, tell me. This yeah. Thing. Are you just chilling? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you there getting drunk all day? Also? Yes. But what, what else are you, are you driving? Yeah, no, I get it. Um, that's, I think that's why I, I, I like to ask these questions for people who want to pursue that. Um, to be honest, I don't ask them for me because that's not my goal. My goal isn't to be like, I want to be a driver for anybody. My goal is to just go out and drive. And if somebody's like, hey, we like what you're doing. I want to work with you. I'm like, cool. That's what I do. But I'm in a position now where I can just afford to just go drive myself. That makes sense. Uh, so I hope other people are able to gain something from these conversations I have with other people. Especially someone in like your position, because you know, being pretty much the sole distributor for WiseFab in the U.S., because everything goes through you, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like nothing is is or is shit getting sent to other places on the East Coast, or does it come to here first and then you send it out? It, it all funnels to me, so it may that's what I meant. It may come straight from Europe to somewhere else, but like I, I put hands on it first. That's exactly not, what I meant. Not necessarily physical. But like, you know what I mean? If if someone on the East Coast wants to order a pallet worth of stuff, I'm going to facilitate that, and yeah, mm-hmm. the pallet will just go straight from your their facility. There's no reason for it to come to me and then go back out. You know what I mean? But either way, you still have a hand in it, regardless. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah I pretty much have it's like 2016. You know, to, to some some extent or another. That makes sense, and that's why I was kind of asking you. Uh, it just makes sense that uh people know that as well um because i wouldn't want somebody to think oh well if i just go straight to the source because some people know i won't say his name just out of for privacy reasons people know who run wisefab like the actual person so they don't start bombarding that person with certain things or requests i'm sure he gets it enough already but there's a lot of people who don't know who they are or who that person is. So it would just kind of be like a pain in the ass. Uh, 
to deal with more fucking people hitting him up. Pretty sure he has like a long list of unread messages. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a couple people above me, and uh-huh. I try to do my damn, do whatever I can to take the load off of their back, like in any way that I can in the U.S. Right, and a lot of times I'm still waiting on like their decision making, and they're mm-hmm. still they're still like, facilitating quite a few things, but mm-hmm. super busy, super busy all the time. I'm just like, dude, give me. Give me more, like let me help you, you you poor man. Like I know I know what you're dealing with. It's crazy. In a in a someone who's done that on like a work level, like just counting out what it is that you're working for WiseFab, I've done that at work in like my own personal job and I was like, Fuck me, why did I ask for more work? <laughs> now I'm like three it, weeks it I'm a constantly two to four weeks behind on work, no matter what. But at least I'm busy. Everyone has a, we have money coming in and everyone's getting a paycheck. So I guess you can't complain too much. But it It helps when you're passionate because it's like, what's the saying? Do what you love and you'll never work in your life. I would be lying if I I said I loved my job. I love what my job affords me, if that makes sense. That's that's a good point. There yeah. there are there are cool jobs that offer what they offer and then there are jobs that you're happy with that give you what you need financially or economically. To go do um, what you love. Those are pretty sweet. Yeah. What sucks is the jobs that you don't like <laughs> that don't pay you right. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, a bunch of people stuck there too. Like that's that's why I feel so blessed. Like I'm at a job that I like um, quite a bit, and uh, I try to be as involved as I can, just because I love doing it. Yeah, and it's super involved with like one of your biggest passions outside of what music. Yeah, like <laughs> like music and drifting is like the, the I'd say the two things that I like the most. Maybe yeah. toss video games in there. And you're in a, you're oh, yeah. in a, and you're in a band, right? Yeah, yeah. More than one? Are you in more than one? I'm in, I'm in more than one, but only one is like really doing anything right now. We're, we're in a few, few things trying to get off the ground, like in mm-hmm. those very, very early stages, just to, just mainly just to like have fun and do different stuff. I'm my main band. I've been doing it since 2018. Um, and that is what it is, but it's developed an identity. And when you develop an identity, it's kind of hard to just switch it up and do different shit. So, like, that's where I start working with someone else and they start doing something else on the side, right? And, and fulfilling, like, that sort of creative drive somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's that's the reason that you would burden yourself with being in multiple projects because it's busy and it's financially draining. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. You, you get as a as a creator you get different things out of uh, out of different projects i feel oh for sure um it, no the only reason i was asking is because like have you have you crossed the two worlds like have you learned something let's just say in music or just in drifting with business stuff where you would like cross and be like oh shit i would do this here so let me bring that over with me <clears throat> like for instance i'll say that a simple phone call something I hate doing 
especially at, in my line of work, I, I work in fire life safety. They're going to have to call somebody and talk to them about something instead of just an email because I fucking hate actually having to call somebody. Um, I know that it gets me so much further because you can hear my voice. You can hear the way I'm speaking to you. You can understand like there's some either compassion or I'm trying to be understanding of your situation if it's like an emergency issue. Or you can just be like, oh, this person's cool. Like I understand like they're doing what they can to get whatever they need done. Uh, I forgot. I went on. I fucking lost my train of thought. <laughs> but just bringing the two you worlds together, to, bringing it the crossover to like help you uh, do something better in music or at work that you learn from music. So I feel like drifting at its core, and, and a lot of the a lot of the people that were doing it in the early years in the U.S. have a pretty like punk rock DIY work ethic mm-hmm. and like that definitely crosses over a little bit but like, my life is like my drifting life and like all my friends from that and then like my music life and all my friends from that and very seldomly does it cross i have like one buddy that has kind of worked his way out of the music scene and is now like really heavily involved in like car stuff and so him and i can kind of like link up on that because we we've both done this this sort of thing but it's a, it's weird, dude. There's not there's not a lot of crossover, although I will say that like now that drifting is becoming more accessible for for people, you are seeing more people from the music industry doing this. Mm-hmm. So like, T Pain is a great example. You know, he's not he's not in the world of like hardcore or like death metal. You know what I mean? But like T Pain's a great example. And actually, uh, recently, um, Will Ramos, the vocalist of Lord Ashore. Which, if you don't know who Lorna Shore is, you've nope. probably seen a clip of him doing crazy pig noises uh, with fire in the background. I guarantee you have. Look up to the Hellfire Lorna Shore. Um, if you are like, I don't know who that is, you'll see that clip and you'll be like, oh yeah, no, I, know <laughs> I know who that is. I did see that on TikTok in the last couple of years. But um, he's uh, he's gotten involved in drifting and I'm like, that's that's fucking cool that's cool to see people like from this set of music like starting to to cross over into that and I I actually reached out to him and I was just like yo it's super sick to see you doing this Um, I'd like to work with you and we we talked for a little bit and uh, I think he's just a really busy dude you know doing touring or whatever he's doing you know we haven't really gotten gotten so far yet but like just to be able to like connect with somebody uh from that sort of position in like the music industry on something completely outside the music industry like we're vibing on car stuff uh but it 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 does excite me to no end to see the crossover when it does happen because it doesn't happen that often Mm. and uh, i'm hoping that it becomes more and more just Mm. because of like who i am and like my identity uh, uh of what I, you know, what I value for passions, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, it doesn't cross over a lot, like in a day-to-day, like understanding that a band is like a business and like, you know, like I print merch, I'll I'll have shirts printed or I'll do whatever printed. Well, like if someone in, in, in the car industry is like, yo, I need shirts made, you know, like a, like, um, car club or whatever, like, well, 
I know where to get them because <laughs> from the music industry, I have to do all this shit. Yeah. So like, there, makes there's sense. little stuff like that, but they're so like polar opposite of stuff that there's not a ton of, there's not a ton of overlap. Yeah. That question was just more of curiosity. Um, cause I'm pretty sure that the people, whatever they're doing in there, if they have a professional life outside of drifting and are trying to pursue drifting as either a hobby or try to get it paid for, I assume there's some type of crossover where they're utilizing their, um, their skills that they already have to try to either get their drifting paid for or monetize some in, in one form or another. Um, I was just curious if yeah. music kind of did that, but I can see with your explanation, I can see Not how so it much. doesn't. Yeah. But like using their celebrity for music can do that. Right. Uh-huh. Like it's not really the music that did that. It's their status and their maybe willingness to now start creating YouTube content based on their status that now brings like an ROI to mm-hmm. a company likewise. Yeah. That makes sense. And then you might have their one fan who doesn't give an absolute shit about cars. I was like, I like your music, man. Get back in, get back in the studio and get out of the car. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's cool that it's not like super endemic. You know what I mean? No, like, yeah, exactly. Especially, especially for a company like Wisefab, like I can go to basically any driving event anywhere, and they've heard of us, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say that. I'm now on this musician's page and he's like, yo, I like cars. Um, I like Wisefab. Here's like, here's Wisefab. This person that's not educated on drifting at all and maybe hasn't, you know, doesn't know anything about drifting, definitely doesn't know who Wisefab is. Well, now at least the seed's planted there. Now, whether or not they value that and they start to go that direction, who knows? But I find it's got more value than like, you know, that dude never hadn't heard of it. Or, or never like having the thought of, of going that direction because everybody gets exposed somewhere at some time right mm-hmm. you know like a, a lot of older dudes like myself and I'm, I'm not like super like older like old school driver but like you know we got exposed from like option video and stuff like that newer kids have been exposed to like fd and even more newer kids exposed to like these youtube people like tj hunt um, and and Adam LZ and stuff like that. Like LZ's LZ's a kind of a cool a cool thing to talk about because he started with bikes and switched over to cars. And mm-hmm. you see more and more people that were in like action sports or extreme sports switching over into car type stuff. You know, whether yeah. it be drifting or rally or, or whatever. But like. I'd like to think like someone like LZ that made that transition a while back captured a lot of attention of a lot of kids that were maybe only a couple years younger than him and were just super into bikes. And now they're probably in their mid twenties and they're like, yo, I can't, <laughs> I can't ride this bike forever, you know, but I can get a car. Yeah. I can't start doing this car stuff. And like, it's huge. It's, it's huge because everybody gets impressed by someone at some point and that's how they they start that journey so trying to like just broaden <laughs> broaden your your reach is like the whole goal right and reaching more people that are less endemic to um 
either your community or or the company or whatever yeah that makes sense uh and i can see how a lot of people from action sports have gotten involved with like the car community in one way or another whether it's you know i used to ride a skateboard in high school and you know do a few things but i can see how people like bring it over to cars because you know you're tinkering when you have a skateboard you're you're breaking shit and you're fixing it same thing with cars especially racing especially fucking any form of racing um yeah it makes sense it's just you know growing up and being like oh i can afford to do this now let me let me have fun with this um but yeah seeing i remember the first event i ever drove was um a drift access event and adam lz was there and that was when he just started um going around in his yellow s13 um and like traveling and drifting throughout the states if i'm not mistaken i didn't know who the fuck that was because i've never been into youtube or anything like that um but i had learned later that that's what he was doing i was like oh that's fucking cool and then look at him now he just won an event last year he's driving for arguably the most um financially backed team or they are the most financially backed team in fd um and that that's a full circle to go from some guy who's just driving making some videos after he decided to stop riding his bike as much to being on arguably the best team in fd so yeah yeah definitely i think like like financially lz probably would have been okay <laughs> just to like stay on his own because I, I i feel like you know he does pretty well but like from an experience standpoint there's no way to be what that team was willing was able to offer him you know absolutely um, and, and it was it was very symbiotic because I'm sure RTR gained quite a bit from having LD involved. Yeah. So business is business. Cool. Uh, I would say that RTR is the most competitive team, like in the history of drifting in the United States, because no one else has had three cars podium in a season. You know, um, it's it's no one else has had three crazy. cars. If you look at Warehouse, yeah. It, it, well, exactly. The the logistics of that are crazy. Oh, Even Jerry Yang. And, Jerry Yang yeah. is doing that this year, actually. Jerry, yeah, Jerry. Jerry is doing three cars, which is sick. Um, but you look at like the other big name, like other big name team, like Warehouse in recent years, like correct two cars partying to me, super impressive. Three actually didn't. They did had James a spare car. Podium. Did James make it on the podium in uh, in Irwindale? Which one? James Dean, did he make it this last year window? Did he make the podium? He got like third place. I think he right? did. Yeah, I believe he did, yeah. So four cars podiuming. Three cars getting a win and four, like a fourth car getting on the podium. Like, there, as far as I can remember, there's been no other team that's done that. I thought him and Adam shared a car. With different liveries. Him and Vaughn. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Adam and Vaughn sharing a car. So that's technically one car. Yeah. But it's two dudes doing it. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It is. It yeah. Is one car. Four drivers, three cars. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I want to be that cool. Not this year. 
Uh, yeah, that's they are. I, I'm excited to see how James does next year in that chassis. I think he's gonna fucking rip. Yeah, um, I'm also excited to see how Odie and Sam are gonna do. Wait, his name isn't Sam. I said his name wrong. Simon. Simon. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see how Simon and Odie are going to do with just the focus of two cars, no more pro spec guy or car. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to take that pro spec car as their third car. Like if there's a failure of any kind, just jump in the other car. I would imagine. It would it make did. sense. Yeah. It available. I don't know that they're necessarily going to carry it around to every round, but you know, you can get it to most of the rounds pretty quickly if there's a catastrophic failure, you know, aside from maybe Jersey. Um, or Atlanta, that's not a down the street either. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I guess logistically, like, if they could make it happen, it would be smart to have a whole, like, backup car. Mm-hmm. But there's so much difference between that 14 and Odie's car, Odie's 15, and then difference between Odie's 15 and Simon's 15. Like the the fourteen is definitely, I think, not on the same level. Now it's still a very capable, very pissed off car. You know, mm. It's it's capable of winning, but I, I wouldn't say that it's built with the same refinement that like Simon's S fifteen is built. You know. If I'm not mistaken, that's the same car. Uh, Chelsea put into the wall at Irwindale, isn't it? <laughs> it's that it's chassis. Car, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I yeah, thought. He got like six feet of air on, on the back of that car. <laughs> Eddie actually has a photo from that. that like, oh, does he? Shows how much, how much like space is between the the ground and the tire, and it's like astonishing. It was such a hard hit, dude. I didn't know if that car was going to come back. It was in um, practice too, wasn't it? And then that, yeah, it was in practice. So it wasn't even televised. No one even has it. That was right when I started with OD2 because I started oh, shit. in September, like the end of September, and then that was like beginning of October. So Odie's out there in the Genesis, and that was the, the last year that he ran the Genesis, and Chelsea's Chelsea rented the 14 and just fucking stuffed it, dude, and was trying to get like a mixture of like WiseFab and PBM parts <laughs> to work to like just to get the car back together and shit, and it was, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy to think about, like especially because it's like, dude, you lent this guy your car and he fucking destroyed the shit out of it. Swatted it up and It just won Prospect. <laughs> so, like, it's still the little engine that could, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's funny. Uh, and what, Evan drove it for, what, two years? Uh, yeah, it was two seasons, right? Yeah, yeah. two seasons. Yeah, that's. Uh... And it's and pretty... that car, when it was initially built, was built like in between rounds in an FD series after uh, after Vegas when Odie totaled the car in Vegas. So we built that car in like a month, and like it's it's seen changes and revisions obviously like since then. But like that car was like rushed to put together so he could drive the next event. Like, oh shit! Okay, Vegas I didn't know series. that. Yeah, and it's got like such a such a history. Like that that is a chassis that. Like should be cherished. It shouldn't be one of the ones that like goes into a backyard and melts into the planet. Like, <laughs> keep it covered. Like, hold if on to it. Like that just, fucking just... car could talk. Yeah. No, I, I hear. You. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's and that chassis's been in like what second and third place a couple times. 
For the pro championship? I know that he, I believe he got, th I don't remember if he got second in that car. I think he might have already been in the 15. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was. I'd have to go back and look, man. But he, he definitely did get quite a few wins and quite a bit of podiums in competition on that thing. Yeah, I think he's a fucking champ. And to just put it in prospect, like, as is, just like, here you go. Oh, we <laughs> changed him. We changed him settings in the put tires. The Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I, it yeah, worked. We'll go win. Yeah, and he did. Well, you look at, like, the level of cars, right? Because there's not a lot of, like, real-backed people, and there's a lot of people that took their car, like, straight out of Pro-Am, made a couple upgrades, and went into prospect. And then you mm -hmm. have Odie's fucking Pro-1 car on the line next to you in your life. Pro-Am plus E36. Like, it's got to be intimidating. I don't remember the dude's names, um, but there was a couple Canadian guys who had, like, Pro-1 cars. And this is when, like, they first started Pro-2 doing on the 255 rule. And they were, like, in a 1,000-horsepower cars, fucking melting the tires off. Um, I can't remember their damn name. But they were said... It was a red S14 with the S15 conversion. It was the first one where it had the full S15 conversion. Um, I mean, I remember he was on. Good. I can't think. I, if you said his name, I would remember it, but it wasn't Tommy Lemaire. Um, but I do remember he had a big ass leaf. It was a red car. He had a leaf on the side of it, and he, I remember he had Fisker wheels. That's the only thing I remember about his car because I thought his wheels were fucking sick. Car. Yeah, and it was like the first year I they started. I remember with... a ton of the, the field from like the, the first few years of like Pro 2. Um, man, I'm trying to think. Like TLO or Tommy Lemare, like the two like um, Canadian drivers that I can think of off the top of my head. Jonathan Naren. I know Naren was in an S14. After is he Canadian? Weekend. Is he Canadian? I thought he was. I thought. I, thought I know he competed in. I know he competed in. I know he competed in Canada for when FD had the Canadian FD series, but I don't know if he's Canadian because I know he's like from the south, ain't he? Or something like that. I couldn't huh. tell you. I just remember. It was supposed to be two Mustangs with Jonathan Naren and it was another guy. And it might have just been the other guy that was Canadian. I thought it was both of them, but I I, I could be tripping. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in this series <laughs> over the years, you know? Trying to keep track of it gets a little tough. A lot of come and goers for sure. Um, damn, I can't remember his fucking just, name. Something Goble. Goble sounds familiar. Did I just lose you? Oh, there uh, you are. It gave me a battery warning, twenty percent. But if we get down there, I can plug the phone in. Ah, we're getting close. Something Goble. Now that Goble, Chad Goble, but he's not a. He's not. No, no, no. It's it's not him. Actually, remember I told you I had to go Brody, pick up my. Brody Goble. That's who it is. Brody it was Brody. Was it was Brody Goble. Familiar. Yep. Yes, that's the guy. Uh, wait, is it the guy? Did he go to NASCAR? 
was it Goble? Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. Oh, it was. I am right. Yeah. Oh, shit. He's doing... Uh, I'm looking at his Instagram, and he's... Looks like he went to, like, Trans Am Racing. Yeah. Look at this guy. He's in road racing now. Damn, I need his money. Um, yeah, actually... Uh, look at, like, look at Chad- Robert Thorne. He's the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. he. Yeah, that's right. And look how he fucking killed it. First year in pro spec. came in and... One. What was craziest to me about it is his first year in, in pro spec, you go on his Instagram and he doesn't even post that he's winning. It's just like still his like racing shit because I feel like to him it like it was nothing. And he just came in and he fucking dominated his first year and he moved on into pro and like that's when you started seeing him like actually posting stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> I remember like telling people to check his Instagram out and they're just like, There's no drifting out here. Like what is this the same guy? Like it's yeah, kind of a trip. he's like, yeah, I'm just doing this for fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, but and Chad Goble's the. I... Sorry, go ahead. Nope, you good? Oh, I was just gonna say that, like, I I rent warehouse space out of an S2000 specialty shop, <laughs> and he's like a big S2000 racer. So when I like talk about Robert Thorne there, it's a whole different conversation than like Drifter guy. Oh wow, which is like crazy too. Yeah. You're like, look at us. Uh, no, Chad Goble's the guy I went to go pick up my tires from. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he moved up, didn't he? Huh? He what? He moved up the hill, too, didn't he? He's like oh, out there. I didn't know where he was from before. But, uh, yeah, I had to go pick up my tires from him. We had, uh, he needed tires. His tires didn't come in on time for an event. Oh, the event at Horse Thief Mile where I was supposed to drive that E46 that broke on the first lap. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, hey, I bought these tires for Winter Jam, and I can't use them. Because Winter yeah, Winter Jam because was like, hey, we're doing 300 tread wear. What an asshole. And I remember I checked, but I didn't check right before I ordered the tires, and the rule did change at some point. Because they didn't you say didn't that before. Say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the, my, my introduction with Chad is uh, I met him before I met him as a drifter. Um, mm-hmm. Or I, I'm sorry, I never met him. I, I learned of him before I met him as a drifter because he dated my cousin randomly. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, she was just like, oh, my boyfriend is going to like buy me a, a BMW and like teach me how to drift. Ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, I guess. Like. My my cousin was never into cars or in anything like that. I'm like, cool, like you know, it's, that's that's rad to hear. It uh, it always it's always like, oh, my boyfriend's gonna do this for me, and I don't ever take anybody that says that seriously until I see it, you know. So it's that's like, fair. okay, that's safe. I met Chad later, and he's like, yeah, dude, I'm putting a Viper motor in an E92, and I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy's serious. This guy fucks with it. Okay, cool. You yeah, know? now he's. And, and I thought it was funny. It was a funny question when I first met him because. Um, I was like, yeah, like you actually dated my cousin. And he's like, who? And I'm like, dude, we have the same last name. I have a pretty unique last name. Like I felt like that, <laughs> that was a silly ass question, but uh, I was just like, yeah, it's like Stevie, my cousin Stevie. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say about me? No, that's funny. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, he has a uh, E36 M50 Turbo now that he's been ripping in. Uh, and then, yeah, it's it's a nice little car. Um, and then he broke it at Winter Jam. I don't know if you saw, but it looked his whole like um, accessory assembly on the uh, M50 kind of took a shit, and I think he ended up having rod knock after too. Oh no! Yeah, so, so, but every I I kind of like that motor now. Now that I had one in my possession for a little bit, I'm like, this is kind of neat. I kind of like this little thing. Um, I don't love boost. It's not my favorite. I'm not a turbo guy. I'm not gonna lie. That's where you're uh, wrong, brother. Uh, I don't like that. I gotta wait for it. Yeah. Like ah, come on. Like, yeah, I ain't got a, I ain't got all day, huh? For me, coming from dirt bikes, I like something that comes on hard in the mid range. It's just like old two stroke. Okay. Like I, like for for me, if it's like a straight line, it's not exciting. But if there's a little bit of of, of weight and then a hard punch in the mid range, like it gets me going, dude. It gets me going. It's 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 so exciting. Oh, dude, it's. I mean, I'm glad it's there, but it's kind of like. If you've ever driven like a slow car in general, you know, and you're trying to get on the freeway and you're like, come on, and you're like fucking trying to ease your momentum, go, shaking back, you're like, come on, let's go. And then all of a sudden it just, it goes. Uh, I don't love it. I don't love it. Uh, I don't love do it. I hate, I don't like that part. I would, I would do a turbo setup if I can, um, get it correct and get it into a power band that I would be more comfortable with. Um, but I plan on building my son an E36 because he wants a drift car. Um, so I was going to go an M50 setup for him in a little sedan so he can be cool. And I don't want to fuck him and have him in a Cadillac CTS trying to <laughs> figure that out. I'm like, don't, I'm not going to make the same mistake. What you can do is keep him on the M50 naturally aspirated. Oh, that's plenty. Right. He'll get used to that. Whatever. And then don't boost it. Just pull it and put an LS when he needs more power, right? Like, just, like, stay in More power, baby. I know. There you go. That's true. That is true. I know. I have an LS. I have an extra a spare motor that I just haven't done anything with yet. It needs to be rebuilt, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I want to drive with you this year. Do you have any confirmed summer events? Summer's probably gonna be tough. We can Come on, man! Make like make like fall work. I'm okay, sure. I can make fall work. Like I, like I said, I, I do, I do definitely want to drive more this year, and I do want to drive with my friends. And like same up until this point, aside from like the one day where I got to do some laps with Rome. I, like, haven't been able to drive with my friends. It's just been, like, maybe they've come out and hang out at the track, but their car's not ready or whatever, or it's, like, a like a friend that's just on a different level of car, and, like, their, my car's maybe just a little too much for, like, where, where their, like, fun car is at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I need all my friends with, like, pro-ab-level cars. <laughs> I want just, yeah exactly. Just I'm just together like like fix your fucking car. Can you so come out in the real with you? 
like Eric Haley, I've been bitching at him. I'm like, what's going on with the 240? Because I would like you to bring that out when my car is ready. He's like, I've been working on it. He's like, good runs. I was like, all right, cool. Because he's been driving that E36. He's been driving the E36, but he's been getting like a bunch of seat time. Um, so I, I really want to drive with him in the 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 240 because. I mean, it's cool to chase a slower car, but it's not the same when, like, all you and your boys got 600 horsepower. Let's do it. I want to chase a fast car. I feel like that's how I'm going to learn, and that's, like, how I learned that, that first day with Rome. Rome was out there, and that was when his, his car was making, like, 550. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were pretty, like, on par right there. So he wasn't walking away from me, um, especially because, like, I'm definitely, like, shallowed up, like, compared to him, like, fully filling all the zones i'm just trying to get around the fucking track so like and not die it was yeah. cool because he, he wasn't he wasn't dipping on me you know what i mean and like um he was definitely like on my shit and that's so exciting for the first time like my first track day in my own car i got to tandem with like an fd driver yeah and i think who else can say that like it's 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 exciting and, and it, it brought me so much joy and like he knew i think he knew like how special it was because he, he had a media dude with him just like videoing all the runs from like the inside of the car nice and uh, i i have a lot of that saved and like yeah dude it was huge it was huge for me he like didn't have to go hard like that but he's just a very solid like rad dude and he just did it and like yeah i won't forget that shit that was so I have a video of him just create that. I have a video of him and I doing a battle and him just letting me spin out in front of him because he knew I was going to <laughs> in the drift league. <laughs> Driving like a total dick. And then he just shut it down right behind me. He's like, okay, I don't have to finish. <laughs> yeah. I'm still I'm bitter about how, it. How quickly he's progressed is, is crazy because I met him, I was at field. And he was like, not like he, he had, I think, done a season of Pro-Am, but it didn't go super well. And mm-hmm. then like, I met him and the next season he went and got like three licenses from three different series. And, and like, he's really just like increased so exponentially to like almost winning Long Beach this year as a privateer in what, like his like third season or second season. Third yeah, that's season crazy. Uh, yeah, third, fourth. Yeah, he's he's doing really good, man. Um, yeah, and he's like the nicest guy ever. If you ever talk to him, he's always nice to people. Yeah. At first, I was like almost too nice, and then it's just, dude, it's just, it's just who he is. Like, You're like, oh, that's just you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's funny. You know, some people are like are fake nice, and then some people are real nice, and that dude absolutely is just real nice. Exactly, I agree. Uh, he's the reason I was like able to fix my overheating issue. He's like, just put cardboard everywhere and you'll be fine. Like to separate the hot, the hot and uh, cold air. Cause I just had fans on and like a rear mounted radiator and it would just, it was just circulating the hot air and heat soaked it. He's like, yeah, you just need to no taper duck. all this off and duck it off and then you'll be good. But we did that. Exactly. He's like, it's all you need to do. And you'll be fine. And then I didn't listen to him. Until I had to rebuild my car, and then I did it, and then I never overheated again. Like, I just remembered it. I was like, okay, let me do what Rome said. 
and then you learned your lesson eventually uh i do now now when people give me advice to do things like someone was like just build a car where you can buy car parts for and not worry about it and that's how the and then seeing josh do so well like i told you that I, you were probably, one probably one of the people you were you were you were one of like 93 93 people that said it um yeah and then seeing josh do so well like at his first round in a car that he tested once and i was like all right it's it's time to go like but that's go the right way because josh got his license fucking twice already uh josh is, josh is a fucking driver he's a he's a phenomenal driver that's fair um but even to take off that long from driving though and then just to go back and rip. And I was like, damn, yeah. this makes sense. It makes sense just to change chassis. His season went incredibly well given the circumstances. Just like crazy. Missing but, a round? <laughs> Missing the first round and still getting second place overall? That's wild. Dude, what? So, yeah. It's fucking wild, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I definitely envy him for sure. But, but alrighty, man. I think I'm going to call it there. Uh, how can people find you if they want to follow you and send you their proposals? Uh, Just kidding. Don't, don't send them their proposals. <laughs> don't send proposals. Uh, you can you can you can find my my professional contact on the wise web wisefab website USA Sales and wisefab dot com. Anything you need, whether it's sponsorship related or product questions, whatever. Like I'm mm. the guy answering all the emails in the USA. If you reach out to someone in the USA, it's coming to me whether it be phone or emails or whatever, and my contact's everywhere. Super cool. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is MikeMonerone124. Um, that's the new Instagram that I've made for, like, all my car-related stuff. Um, and, yeah, I'm just trying to build that up with, with car people. Car people have it, like, super tailored to that. I've learned to, like separate music and car stuff so like i just made my own car thing and like if y'all want to follow me there sick i'll follow you back sweet but all righty man thank you for coming on um is there anything you you want to say before we close this out no dude it's been a pleasure good talking all right and likewise uh i will see you soon not gonna be at the flavor express event but uh you're gonna be at hop hit right on march in march yeah yeah I'll be at Hop Hit. Be- I'll see you then. I will see you in five weeks, six weeks. <laughs> but well, it's going to be like four weeks when it airs. But see ya. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, man. You have a good night. All right, brother. Take care. All right,